literally hates to play the piano. She hates to play the violin. Her mom wants her to really learn the violin, and her mom makes her practice that violin for an hour and a half each afternoon, and she can't do anything until she gets her schoolwork done and her violin practice done. Can you relate, please? At times, you can't relate to this, but maybe eventually. At times, it sounds like a bunch of chickens fighting when she plays the violin. She'll never get anywhere, she thinks. What's the use? Why am I doing this? It's frustrating. It's an exercise of futility. She hates it. Now imagine, just imagine with me, an angel enters scene and takes her on a journey. She, the angel says to Kimberly, come with me. And off they go, and they appear in a beautiful and legendary Carnegie Hall in New York, packed with an eager, enthusiastic audience who sees an orchestra and a young lady, a solo violinist playing with more beauty, more skill, more heart than Kimberly ever thought possible. I could never do that, she thinks. And the angel, supposedly, answers the messenger. If you look more closely, you'll see that it is you. appears back in a room, having seen a vision of her future self, a whole new perspective. The angel here has given her one word of instruction as she as that angel leads Kimberly home. He looks at her, the angel looks at her and says, you need to practice. Well, you can imagine the discipline of practice now would take on an absolutely entirely new meaning for Kimberly, she has a whole new perspective. She has a vision. She has purpose. Her practice, her discipline of practicing will have purpose. She has been given sight of what she is called to do. My brothers and sisters in Christ, you have been given by God, especially through the letters of the New Testament, a vision of God what he intends and plans to do in your life by the work of the Holy Spirit because you have been united with Christ. He promises to work all things together for good in order that you might be conformed into the image of Jesus. You are one shape and he plans to conform you into be like Jesus. Jesus right now, you're not like him inwardly right now yet, you're fa fashioning it, inwardly meaning your attitudes and your loves and desires, and you are not like him outwardly, your actions and your love and all of those things outwardly, but God promises to all of his children who have been born again, he promises to work strength in them, he promises to work in the, to present the church and the members of his church, together as one, beautiful and complete in Christ. In other words, God intends to change you. Now, I was reading this week on a book by John Whitney. He says there are three.
three ways in which God uses, changes people. One way is through people. Have you had people in your life impact your change and you look back, boy, she had a big influence on my life. I'm a different person because of her. Man, I can't believe how God has used that guy in my life to change me. I'm a different person. He, he, he encourages me. He prays for me. He, he does this for me. He gives me advice. He rebukes me when I needed to. I was going off in the wrong direction, and he pulled me in. Have you ever experienced people in your life that has been God's use to change you? Second way God uses to change us is circumstances. I think many of you could tell me of ways in which you went through circumstances. What I mean by that is experiences, difficulties, challenges, things that happen in your life that you go, boy, I, I was shaped by that experience. I won't be the same if that person wasn't there. And you look through and, and you, you can take verses of Scripture like Romans 8.28 and you can say, God works all things together for good and he's using that third way in which God works in order to catalyst, to work, to change his people is through something I want to talk to you this morning about. It's called spiritual disciplines. Disciplines include being part of the church and going to church and being part of the people of God and committed to one another. But I want to talk to you about one vital discipline that is mentioned in our church covenant, and that's what we're going through. We're going through a series on the church covenant, and I pray that God will work in us all this morning, giving us a greater vision of the purpose that God has for this simple and often referred to, kind of assumed that's important, but maybe not always clearly taught discipline. We're going to call it private devotions. Read this. Listen to me as I read this part of the covenant that if you're a church member of faith, you agree to and you say, I I'm going to strive to do this. It's what it says. We also will strive by the aid of the Holy Spirit to maintain family and private devotions. I want to talk about that today. We will strive by the aid of the Holy Spirit Spirit to maintain private devotions. Some of you might go, what in the world does that mean? You need it. It sure sounds like a churchy word. Like, is that church talk? If you're, if you're new to Christianity and coming in here, you might say, I don't even know what that means. Well, I hope you go knowing what that means. And if you know what that means, I hope that you go with a different perspective on what that means and what it should mean for each one of us. I want to ask you some questions here before I even fully define that as to do you practice private devotions? I asked many of you to answer that question this week through a survey online, and on Wednesday night, many of you filled out a sheet, and, and in part, I got probably 50% of you would say, yes, I do, and 50% would say, no, I don't. What does this mean? Why should you do it? biblical reason, Pastor. We need to be, not just because our covenant says it, why does our covenant even say it? The, co 
covenant isn't grounded in Scripture, maybe we shouldn't have it in our covenant, and how should we do it? maintain private devotion. Here's, here's my goal this morning. My goal this morning is to strive in just the next 30 minutes to strive by the aid of the Holy Spirit to help each of you to strive. I want to strive by the aid of the Holy Spirit for you to strive by the, by the aid of the Holy Spirit to enjoy fruitful daily private devotion. More importantly, that you would experience a daily practice that would lead you into an ever-growing relationship with God who made you and saved you. I, I could, as a self-help coach, get up here and I could say, I want to give you a revolutionary practice and habit in your life of every day. You learn to go running. It's going to change your life. It's going to do this. And some of you get all pepped up and some of you are like, oh, man, I've tried that with my knees. And, and you'd be frustrated by this. My goal is not a self-help, inspirational speech that would on one side maybe guilt trip you and push you to a couple days or a couple weeks of trying, and then on the other side, or, or just giving up. I pray that by the aid of the Holy Spirit, you would enjoy it. You would use your words. What if we had a church, all 200 of us, we gather before God and we say, every day we get into God's word and we practice what I'm going to call, what we call private devotion. Here's, I want you to briefly look at two passages of scripture with me. Would you look at Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 through 3? You're, you may be familiar with this. It's the first line. Blessed is the man, happy is the man walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinner, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. That's not where his influence, that's not where he lives, that's not where he abides. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and, day and night. Could you fill in your name? But my delight is in the law of the Lord, and on God's law I meditate day and night. And the psalmist says, this person is like a tree, richly planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season. Its leaf does not wither, and all that he does prospers. Now we turn to John chapter 15 and the words of Jesus that he addresses his disciples in John chapter 15. Stay connected to me. Do not leave. Remain, rely completely on and connect to me. And as a metaphor, as a branch needs to stay securely into the vine or else that branch is dead meat. It's gone. Abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself. 
himself and us that abides in the vine. Neither can you, disciples, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. You see, the godly, fruitful person is richly rooted in God through the word of his love. The richly, fruit, godly, fruitful person is has the word of God meditating on it all the time. The words of Christ remain in you. This is a delight in the word. You have a delight in the word. There is a dependence abiding or remaining connected to Christ. There is a glorification of God and a fruit bearing of a believer. And in fact, I would say nothing is good, good as possible in our lives. In any way that we're going to grow, whether we, unless we are connected to God and his grace, there's a reason why in this church service, some of you might say this is different than what we've done before, what other churches I've been to, where we, we pray that many times and that long, and we hear the word of God read that many times, where we believe that more than anything we can say, God's word brings life. And he tells us to pray, and he tells us to ask for things and to ask for changes in lives and hearts that we could never affect. So I pray that we would be a church that the only explanation would be because we depended upon God's word to bring us life and we rested, we believed in answered prayer and we obeyed him. Now both of these passages I just read to you not only mean that you should come to church almost weekly to hear the preaching and teaching of God's word. I think it it means that you love the Word of God. Of course, you're going to hear the Word of God taught. It's one of the ways God designed for us to hear it and learn it so we can meditate on it. Day and night disciples abide in Christ by delighting and meditating on the Word of God. The Word of God is the Word of God. It is God's loving communication to our souls that brings us actual knowledge or knowledgeable closeness to him in a growing relationship. The Bible is the living, this book is the living truth of the maker of all things, including you and me. And so it is absolutely completely true and completely relevant to us. It is exactly what he wants us to know. He wants us to know all of it. He wants us to learn it. And that means that he made us so that we can actually learn it. Now, private devotions is one of the practices that children of God have come to know and love and find necessary to their Christian life. John Whitney writes, I have never, ever known a man or a woman in all my pastoral or personal experience to have ever come to spiritual maturity to have an experience private devotions. I said to you last, a couple weeks ago, that I was watching a clip of Billy Graham 
this was 1957. He was gathering to court probably 40,000 people in New York City as he called out to them, and he held up his Bible, and he says, I have never known a man or a woman who has grown in the Lord and grown in close relationship with God, who has not learned that daily this book must be opened and learned to read in order to read it reverently and carefully and expectantly that we might know the God of this book. He said, how many of you say, I feel dry, I feel discouraged, I feel hopeless, I feel frustrated, I don't feel like the God that's shown in the Bible is big and great and impacting my life on a day-to-day basis, hourly and daily. He said, I often ask them, are you reading the Word of God? Have you made the practice of daily Bible reading in a meaningful way? And then he says, they drop their heads and say, today I will be with you. So what are private devotions? You have it in your notes, private devotions. What I mean by that, I I put it in there, I really think this definition is useful for you this week. It's useful for you to take to your your Bible reading as you ponder what this can mean. By private devotions, I mean the daily discipline of seeking, by the Spirit's help, to commune with God alone through Bible intake and prayer for the purpose of making big, that's why I put it in your notes. Private devotions, I mean, the daily discipline of seeking, not by your own strength, but by God's help, the Spirit's help, to commune with God. Not just check off a a reading plan and say, I did my devotions, but to every day commune with God like you would commune. The word commune means to build, have a close relationship with. It means to spend time with to spend time with someone in, in very deep and intimate conversation or closeness. The goal is that every day we would, every day, learn to, little by little, more commune with God alone by ourselves. Why this? How? Through Bible reading? Through Bi- and I'm saying through Bible intake? And that Bible intake may be a plan where you read five chapters a day, Or it might read one verse a day, seven verses a day, one paragraph a day. It might be the daily devotional of our daily bread out there. And it might be reading through it and then seeing scriptures and meditating on those scriptures. But there's a purpose to the closeness and conformity to Christ when you come and get there. But do we do daily private devotions? you daily discipline yourself to seek God alone in order that you might know him and grow close to him and actually be conformed to him, be made like him? Or do you do it with the Bible and some prayer? Maybe you've heard this called just devotions of quiet time. Now, we don't see in portions of scripture Jesus going off alone and reading the Bible because he probably didn't have the whole community for him. He would go into the synagogues and he would read the scriptures. But we do find that Jesus did some things like this. Mark 1.35 Rising very early in the morning, Jesus, while it was still dark, departed and went to a desolate place, a lone place. And there he prayed. Do you 
do this often. We find it in many instances where Jesus would go and withdraw to a desperate place, and there he prayed. He needed time with God. He needed time with his Father. Jesus tells us to pray in the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread. And so I want to ask you, do you, every day, take the daily bread that God has given you? I'm not talking about those little booklets out there. I'm talking about you take the daily bread of God's Word and say, God, there's nothing more that I need. I need this. I don't feel I need it sometimes. In fact, that's why I have to put, that's why the covenant says I will supply. We were discussing this this morning in Sunday school, and Jason brought up that striving, it means, it often means because we find things very difficult. We're attempting to do something really difficult. It is difficult to learn a habit that's meaningful and, and joyful, at least at first, of daily taking the Bible in and praying to God as an important thing in order that we may commune with God. Do you do that? daily bread. See, God was teaching his people in Israel as they wandered through the wilderness, and he gave them a, he gave them a bread substance that fell from heaven, and every morning they would gather it, and daily they would take it. And on the, the day before the Sabbath, they would gather two days, and then they would gather the two days because they didn't gather on the Sabbath. God was teaching them to trust him every day, every day. And every day, he could, they couldn't gather on Monday for all of the week. They needed it every day. God was teaching them something. It says that he was teaching them in Deuteronomy 8. God was teaching them to know this truth that you and I need to know. Man does not live by bread alone. But man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of God. It may not feel like that because we are not wired spiritually yet as we ought to be. But by God's mercy, he slowly works the hunger pains for the word more than the hunger pains of the things that compete with the word. Now, I just say, how, what is private devotions? It is daily Bible intake, daily prayer to God. don't get anything out of it. Here's some suggestions. Uh, what if you take your Bible and you read it and you say, God, this is, because i got to remember, this is your word. And as I go to your word, I'm going to start by, okay, I'm supposed to live by the aid of the Holy Spirit. So how do I get the aid and the help of the Holy Spirit? Well, I pray. Spirit, you need to help me. I get something out of the passage this morning that's close out to your love for this book for me to read. So you take a passage, you read the passage, maybe it's Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He goes on, and you read, you read through Psalm 23 slowly. Here's some questions you start asking yourself. What's really God saying to me right now? What in this passage that I just read makes me want to study further? And who should I ask? What does this passage teach me or remind me about God? I will not want any good thing, it says. I want some things, but I guess I really don't want. He's really my shepherd. How does this passage point you to Christ? 
not sure. I text my friend. How does this text, how does this passage point to Christ? The friend replies, oh, do you know this passage in John that says Jesus is the great shepherd who watches over his sheep? Oh, wow. God, through Jesus, is my shepherd. A shepherd takes and protects his sheep. This is, this is real for me. Maybe other questions like, are there promises in this passage I just read? Are there promises here that I need to trust in and I need to cling to today? Maybe I'll write them down on a piece of paper or my journal or in a three-by-five card, and I'm going to take it with me as a promise. I read, I shall not want. I, I go to work, and I see all these things around me, and I just I want the things of the world. I say, I need my shepherd. All these things are poisonous to me if they captivate my heart. But not if I have God as my shepherd who does not want. He says in this psalm I read, he leads me beside still waters and by green pastures. He restores my soul, and he's never going to let mercy and goodness will never leave me. Or, are there any commands in this passage that I need to obey? Or, how should I think differently about the wisdom today? Is there anything in this passage that I need to share with others? Maybe this is so encouraging, I need to send it off to three friends, or I need to post it on Facebook. Not to brag, but to encourage others. starting to show his character and his goodness. You see, I said he he is working and communicating truth about him to you that it should impact how you think and live. So we are to pray. Do you pray? Do you pray other than at meals? Do you pray at meals? Do you pray before you go to bed? Do you pray at the beginning of your day? Do you set aside a few minutes to say, God, I just need to talk to you, and I'm going to do it alone. How do you pray? We don't have time here this morning to preach a message on this. The Lord's Prayer is a beautiful example that you find in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6. You can pray, Lord, would you be honored, hallowed, would your kingdom come? Maybe give us this day daily bread. When I stop and say, I have needs today, God, here's some of the things I need. I'm anxious about this work, and I'm anxious about my family, or I need help and energy to lead the kids this week or this day because this is difficult. Or I, man, I don't want to go to church this, this afternoon or this morning, I should say, or tonight. But God, I know that I need to encourage somebody else. Would you give me strength? Would you come and pray your greater list of things that you need? Where do we pray for? Is it your family? Is it your spouse, your children, your church, or your pastors, or your your friends that are close to you? You have a, you start to make a list of the people that are not Christians that you want them to become saved. You want them to become a Christian. When we really come to you at a time of prayer, we're communicating to God what kind of person we are. And when our prayers are shaped by the values, the truths, and the promises of this word as we read it, Spending time every day 
coming week, we're going to finish uh, a new version of the direction. I encourage all of you to take one, not just one for family, one for person, to use as a prayer book. Take a page a day, praying for three or four names. God, would you do, or maybe read read a verse, read that Psalm 23, and say, God, will you make show them that you're their shepherd? God, will you help lead them beside still waters today? Use the word reading of the word to help you pray. That's that's private devotions. What now? Why should we have private devotions? I began with this. Our goal is to go for a week. Moved by the Spirit to compel you to a few different churches to adopt this as a way of life. It's way better than that illustration of somebody seeing the his or her self and saying, wow, I'm going to stick to the way of Jesus. The fact is that God, if you are a Christian, God is coming, Jesus is coming, to take you up. He intends to make you, bring you into a close and intimate relationship with God, and you say, I don't really have a close, intimate relationship with God. I don't desire to talk to him. I don't desire to read his word. Well, God intends to do that. If you are his child and if his spirit is within you, this is one of the ways he is desiring to change our story. He uses this so every day, more and more, we grow in closeness to God and we grow Closeness to Christ and conformity to Christ. What if you broke tomorrow morning? You wake up and you say, okay, God, I'm going to do this. But, God, I want to just do this so I can say, Pastor asked me if I did it, and I say yes. I want to do this. I want to read your word, not just so I can check off a box but feel good about myself, feel like I get my spiritual vitamins for the day with no really lasting practical good to my mind. But, oh, God, I want to take on you me to grow in closeness to you. And God, not only help me to grow close to you, in areas where I'm not like you at all, and I don't act like you at all, in my attitudes, in my fears, I, I just, I'm fearful, but you are so big, and you say you're for me, how can I be so fearful all the time? Or I'm, I'm, I love so many things out here, and you just seem so small. God, would you just make those things really small, and would you make yourself so big and beautiful? And God, that, that I don't have to fear, and I don't have to lust after those other things. God, I know that I'm supposed to love my church, and I'm supposed to love my brothers and sisters, and my kids, and my spouse, and I can be so selfish. So God, when I go to your word, will you show me a vision of how big you are? How much of a deed meter you are for my own soul? go after it and say, oh, it's just a God. You are enough for me. Would you go this week with daily devotions saying, oh God, make me closer to you. Make me conform to you. Inwardly, where my grown humility, my new attitudes, new strength, and outwardly in obeying you. And I'm not gossiping. Approval of others that spread compliments and gossip after the Lord listening to me, and I like that approval. But instead, I serve you. I give my 
Christian spirit plays an uncomfortable game to abide in the love of Jesus by reading and looking at the person of God in Jesus Christ. We do good by praying and relying on the Holy Spirit. We need Him more than anything. You you and I are absolutely built to have the love right away by the aid of the Holy Spirit to go after the Psalms. As you go to the Word of God, the Psalm 19 says, divides our soul and makes the wise simple and rejoices the heart. The Word enlightens our eyes. It endures forever. It righteous altogether. It's more desired than gold. It's sweeter than gold. And it's seen as great joy to the heart. The last thing I want to say, there's so many things. I just scratched the surface of why. But I just want to say, go to God's Word and pray this week or every day. You go to him and say, I want to just please you. I want to, I'm going to do it even though sometimes I don't feel the spiritual benefit. I'm going to do it because I want to, I want to honor you because you loved me and gave yourself for me. Now, last thing I just want to bring up is I have some suggestions. A lot of you sent me some very good suggestions of some principles of how you struggled, how you've been helped by it, what things you've done. I encourage you to take books like devotional books that you can have. Paul Tripp has a really good one. Mercy, what do you call it? Do mercies every morning or something like that. Very, there's, there's a lot of great resources. I like Charles Spurgeon's uh, Morning and Evening. There's a reading in the morning and the evening. But I would say you need to focus on reading the Word in the morning. But here's where I want to challenge you. Just take a day each week. Do you need the Holy Spirit's help? Take a day. Is it, do you need the Holy Spirit's help for even to have this the scriptures and Paul often talks about saying, I work harder than anyone else, but it is not I, but God that was working in me. And so we need to have an attitude as a Christian, God, I, I'm going to be a malnourished Christian. I will not grow in you. I will not be like you. I won't grow close to you. I'll have a, such a distant relationship, just like a husband who met a, a wife that never let her husband never talks to her. And every time she wants to talk, he says, I don't want to listen. Because I'm not into listening. You can have, are, we in, are we doing that with God? I'm not into listening to your word by reading it. But what if we daily say, God, do you need help in this? Do you need to put some time in? And you ask God to help us in that particular part of the week. Be ready to pray for your wives about that. If you want to keep us in his word. Satan doesn't care if you read the news. He doesn't care if you read your email. He doesn't care if you check Facebook or Instagram. He doesn't care if you check anything else. He cares that you feed on the word of God. There will be a spiritual battle that will keep you from it, and you're going you're gonna to miss a day or you're going to miss a two days, and you're going to go, what spiritually am I falling at? I'm falling into my old habits again. I'm not going to go anywhere. Um, and listen to what the enemy is preaching God will give you help. And I just want to end with this. I, I was really helped by this. A book um, that men went through in a discipleship book a couple a year ago. It was really helpful. Um, and here's some of the points. First, remember that the principles, you've got to remember the principles of self-control. Do what you should do, when you should do, the way you should, and how you should. Where you should, and for the direction you should. In other words, 
itself just kind of derive nutrients from anything? Like is this coming from physical nutrients only? Or I would say to start your day, but it doesn't have to start your day, and to spend at least 10 minutes. If you haven't done this or not doing it consistently, commit 10 minutes. Second, set aside in advance your quiet time, your time of devotion. It could take place each day at the time when you're most alert. For some, that will be the morning, perhaps before breakfast. For others, that will be the evening or sometime during the day when you know you can do it. It's not a hard and fast rule. It's a common true one that I've known that have done it consistently, and it's been so meaningful for me. It's done in the morning. Okay, there is something about it's, there's something about going to the Word and praying. That's like tuning the, the instrument of your soul. And who t- tunes the instrument of an orchestra after the concert? Why would we tune it at the end of our day? We we start our day saying, "I come that sound from every breath in my heart and lungs to live with praise." I need it because I'm prone to wander, prone to leave the God I love and take my heart and take it. But you feel it when you come and do a work in my life. I need your grace. I need your word. be a plan of just saying, I'm going to read Mark 1 every, and then Mark 2 tomorrow, or Psalm 1 and Mark 1. I'm going to ask for help. Ask me, ask someone else to say, what would you do? I want to start reading the Bible every day, at least a few verses, or at least a chapter. And make your quiet time a truly quiet time. Make your personal devotion and time of prayer take place where you can be off alone. of us have a smartphone or some phone, and I, I use that phone all the time. I use that phone for text, texting you, receiving calls, hearing from my kids. I have this app that's called Voxel where I send audio messages to someone on it, and I get messages back. I use it for checking Facebook or sometimes Instagram. I use it to check and read news articles, and I have a Bible app on there. I, I use it for all things, all time of the day. When I go running, I listen to the audio and I stick it in my pocket. When I'm driving, I'll often listen to sermons or audio books. I use my phone all the time. Now, there, there's something about when I use my phone. This analogy is not going to work perfectly. But when I wake up in the morning, my phone, let's just say, is not going to work unless it's charging up. I take that off the charger that sleeps with me. If I didn't charge it, it isn't going to help me all day. 
need it. In fact, I use it so much that I have to charge it a lot of times when I'm cleaning in my office or when I come home at night for a few hours so I can use it for the rest of the day. This analogy breaks down anyway. But oh, how could we think that we could go our days pleasing the Lord, praying in a way that's close to his heart with him, coming to know him personally without connecting to the true life source of our souls, God's yearning for prayer. We can't. We cannot be truly a blessing to our wife or our husband or for our, to our kids or to our church or our, to our neighbors unless we grow in closeness with Jesus and, and, and with his grace, by his word and by prayer, he shapes us into his image. I would like you to be a picture of that slowly but surely. We would encourage, we would make this a practice that we'd encourage each other. Would you this week reach out to someone and say, would you pray for me? I want to go seven days without my phone. I want to just spend ten minutes in prayer. Would you encourage, I encourage you to shoot an email or a text or whatever. Ask somebody to encourage one another in prayer. Let's pray. Pray that we'd be a people that in life we would establish a kind of personal closeness that anyone here this morning would receive the gift of eternal life by trusting in Christ as their head of the cross, raised from the dead, and who sits at the right hand of the Father, who can encourage all who are in Christ Jesus. Pray that they would reach out to you and be closer to you.